Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. I'm always nervous when I'm on the way up here that they'll, uh, they'll turn my mic on before, uh, while I'm still singing along and you guys are like, Ooh, what was that part? Who, who's that singing? Uh, great, great, great job. Great job. I, uh, I love that they're singing about the overwhelming love of the Lord and the, the talents that they have are so overwhelming to me at times when I'm listening to them. Um, it helps add to that message. Great job. So uh, I want to continue in our series, My Big Fat Mouth. Um, before I do that, I want to pause and just talk a little bit about why I'm having this conversation or what, 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 uh, what I want us to, to realize or think about. Um, sometimes it's hard when you're part of a church uh, to, to understand God's purpose or what he's trying to get at or what he's trying to, what's his, what's his end game. And it's easy to misunderstand you know, him and what he really wants from us. Um, so it's easy in church, it's easy to feel like God wants to tell me how bad I am. Or it's easy to feel like um, God wants to make sure I don't have any fun. Or, if, or you know, w- when we were growing up, um, it, was, it was the idea of God was trying to control me through fear and shame and intimidation and guilt and the like. And we've talked before in our church family about how fear the fear of the Lord is important. It's an important part of a relationship with him, but the Lord's not trying to control you, right? I mean, he could. He could. But that's not what he, what he wants. And if God doesn't want those things, what does he want? So he, here's, here's, here's what the Lord wants. Here's what the Lord wants. God wants you to desire him most. God wants you to desire him most. And it's what you're designed for. Uh, It's it's what you long for, but try to to figure out or fill or or finish in different ways. Um, He wants you to desire him most. Uh, and, and, And when we learn to desire him most, we are sure to find the things that we're working so hard to accomplish and achieve and secure for ourselves. He wants you and me to desire him most. And certainly that doesn't mean that bad things are going to happen to you anymore. Or that doesn't mean that, that, that you always get your way. Um, but it, it means find your delight in the Lord. Then he will give you everything your heart really wants. And I, I think to say it more clearly, this verse is a little tricky or it's, it feels like a, a bait and switch to me sometimes when I read it. Because it makes it sound like you know, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he's going to give you all kinds of things that you normally want here on this earth. But I think it's more, to say it more clearly for us, it would, be, it would be to say, find your delight in the Lord and you will realize that he is everything your heart really wants, that he is it. So once when Jesus was asked, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest command? And what, the, what that question was really asking or what he was, what was really asking was, what does God want from me? What does God want most from me? And here's, here's how Jesus replied to the question, what does, God, what does God want most from me? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
If you focus on doing right things or being good, you will never get to this. God wants us to respond to him by learning to desire him most. And here's how. Here's how. And it's scary. We do that by voluntarily crucifying ourselves with Christ. Putting to death our way, what we think is right, and submitting to his way. Voluntarily putting ourselves under his control. Putting our whole being under his control, including your mouth. Including your mouth. So love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mouth. So... Jesus' brother, James, wrote this about our mouths. He said, all of us do many wrong things. Amen. But if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. So if you want, if, if you want to, to communicate that you're a mature adult person, or if you're young and you want people to think you're more mature than you if you can control your tongue, you are mature and able to control your whole body. So here, here's, here's what God wants most. Here's what God wants most. He wants us to desire him most. And, and with that picture in your mind or that backdrop or that why, here's my why. I want to desire God most. With that in the back of your mind, with that as your motivation, James seems to be saying here, if you want to be crucified with Christ, start with your mouth. Because if you start with your mouth, then it can control the rest of everything, which is I don't know, that doesn't feel like it's true, but James says it's true. When you learn to do that, you can be free to desire him most because sin doesn't have your heart. And uh, for me, when I hear crucifixion, it doesn't sound like something that I want. <laughs> Sounds like God's trying to control me or he's trying to guilt me or make me f be afraid of something. But God isn't trying to take, I've said this to, to you guys before, and I don't know if you believe me, and I'm not sure if I believe the Lord when he's saying it, but this is how it always turns out. God's not trying to take something from me when he's inviting me to crucifixion. He's trying to give something to me, something good. He's trying to give me the thing that I desire most himself. To learn to desire him most, I've got to be free from all the kinds of sins in my heart that I get tangled up when, when I use my mouth to complain, to criticize, and to lie. Let me back up to complain and criticize really quick. Just so in our, if you haven't been with us up to this point, these last two weeks we've been talking about complaining first and we talked about criti um, criticizing the second week. I, I hope that you've been trying I pray that you've been trying. And I get that, that, that a change like, if you're used to complaining and criticizing the rest, of, you know, the rest of your life, that to start trying today to say, I'm gonna stop complaining and criticizing, it, it's not gonna go well, it's gonna be clunky. And, but but I, I pray that you've been trying. And if you're like me, I'll say, I'll do a sermon like this and on the way out, I'll complain about something. Fight it. This, this is a fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. And the only way that we make changes is we fight. We fight. 
Today, today I want to talk a little bit about lying and how lying separates me from God and from people I love. And it keeps me from desiring, learning to desire him most. So uh, listen to this. It says, the Lord detests, that's a strong word, detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. So when I was growing up, when you read a verse like this and it says the Lord detests the, 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 the teachers and the preachers, and the, they would be like the Lord detests. Like if you lie, the Lord thinks you are gross and he wants to spit on you. And that was the feeling. Do you know why the Lord can't stand lying lips? It's because lying lips keep you from desiring him most. Lying makes it impossible for you to have the kind of relationship with God that he wants most. And he can't stand that. That, that is why he hates lying lips. Not because he thinks you're such a bad, terrible person. That, 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 that's, it's not because God's like, ew, gross lying. I can't stand that. Have you ever, and again, this is, all of, you, all of us have had this experience. Have you, ever had to try, have you ever tried to have a close, intimate relationship with somebody who lies all the time? It's exhausting, super frustrating, and it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. This is, this is why lying is so very dangerous. Lying separates us from God and from people. Um, one pastor says it this way. He says, you may never be more like the devil than when you lie. You may never be more like the devil than when you lie. Um, once when Jesus was talking to a group of religious leaders who were incredible liars, um, they'd even fooled themselves. He said this, he says, you belong to your devil, you, you belong to your father, the devil, and you carry out the father's desi- your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, the father of lies. So when we lie, we're aligning ourselves with the devil. Wow. Maybe, maybe you, you, you've heard someone say, now you're speaking my language. Um, once uh, my wife and I went on a date to the Detroit Symphony Orchestra and um, we went to see Porgy and Bess. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. It's, it's an opera. Um, it's a Black folks doing opera. Um, and I thought, cool, black folks doing opera. Awful. <laughs> I hated every second of it. Um, and I was trying to be, you know, good because I thought Montina might like it, but she also hated it. And I, it was, ah, it was bad. I don't, I mean, they're all talented. They're, everyone was talented, but it was just, uh, wow. It was, it was hard. Um, now my, it's just not my style of music. Since then, we've learned that the Detroit Symphony Orchestra uh, has also performed the music of the movies Star Wars. <laughs> now you're talking my language. I'm in. That's good stuff. Now you're talking my language. 
that's something that I can relate to. That's something I can connect with. That's something that I, you know, I, mm. when we lie, when we lie, the devil says, now you're speaking my language. Now that's something I can get on board with. You're talking about all this reckless love crap. No, but I don't, I'm not interested in that. But when you lie, now you're talking my language. Lying disconnects us from God and aligns us with the devil. And I want to just, I'm going to walk through a few things that this, this the devil's plan for you um, and for me. And then at the end, I want to share just, just a couple ideas about what God's plan is for you. So let's start with the devil, though. The, devil, the, first, the devil's plan for you is to get you to lie, is to get you to play his game, to get you to speak his language, is to get you to lie. Um, and I, and it's, it's amazing how often I play into this game. So in the Bible, there's a story of a guy named David who was a king at the time. He sleeps with a woman um, who's not his wife named Bathsheba. In fact, she's married to a person who's one of David's most loyal followers, a man named Uriah. And David sleeps with her and gets her pregnant. And, and to add to it, David sleeps with her and gets her pregnant while Uriah is out fighting in the name of David. So once David finds out that she's pregnant, she sends for her husband, Uriah. And that, so now, and, and, and those of you guys who know stories about David, um, you know other stories about him, typically he's a man of integrity. So I would like, maybe this is naive. Maybe, I would like to assume that David is sending for Uriah, the husband, because he intends to come clean and tell the truth. So Uriah shows up in front of David. And you think about this. Uriah is somewhere far away fighting a war for David. And then David calls him to come back. And he shows up. In, in David's palace and he's in front of David and he, should, he has to be like, so uh, what am I doing here? Why did you call me here? Why, why, why am I here? And David literally, if you, read, if you read the passage, he literally makes small talk. He's like, yeah, so um, how's the war going? And tell me about the other soldiers and um, you know, how, how you doing? And Uriah has to be like, is this why you called me here to ask me how I'm doing? And maybe, and I don't know if maybe you've done this before where in your mind you decide, I'm going to do the right thing. And then when you're sitting in front of the person, you're like, I can't do it. Maybe sitting in front of Uriah, he decides, I cannot tell him what I did. Because it's so whack, so wrong. And, or, you know, and again, I'm not, maybe I'm need. Maybe he never intended to tell the truth in the first place. And he said, <laughs> I got a plan. I got a plan. But in that moment where he decides not to tell him that he can't tell him the truth, the devil says, now you're talking my language. Now you're talking my language. And that night, David sends Uriah home in hopes that he will uh, sleep with his wife. Um, and the whole conversation is built on deception. And, 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 you know, in reality, you know, when you read this story, you're like, oh, what a bad person. But 99% of us do this, you know, all the time. And if you automatically think that you're, you're like, yep, 99% of us, but not me. If you think you're the 1% automatically, you are in danger. Um, just putting that out there. 
One study claims that on average, Americans lie four times a day. Another study from the University of Massachusetts claims that 60% of Americans can't have a 10 minute conversation without lying. We exaggerate, we leave out details, we tell a story in a way to make us look better than is actually true. Uh, we, we speak the devil's language. And if, if you're willing to pause and look and, and, and be honest, then you can, you, you, you'll, you'll be like, yeah. You don't, you're not telling an out and out lie, but you leave out the details. You're not telling an out and out lie, but you exaggerate just to, That's what, let me tell you this. So when I was a youth pastor here, when I was a youth pastor here um, years ago, uh, some of you may remember that one of the fundraisers that we used to do is a cleanup of Chrysler Arena after men's basketball games. Oh my. If I died and went to hell and it was an endless Chrysler Arena cleanup, I'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's, yes, it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. It's hard and it's gross, but when we did it, um, the University of Michigan would give money to our church. So specifically for the youth group. One of the rules attached to the fundraiser is this. We couldn't have any students on our cleanup team who were athletes at, at the local high schools. Um, and if we did have students from, from, from high school teams, then, you know, on sports teams, then we wouldn't get the money. Well, I totally ignored that rule because I thought it was stupid. <laughs> um, I thought it was dumb. So even though it was against the rules, I was like, who cares? That's stupid. So one day after we spent three or four hours cleaning up after a game, we, you know, exhausted, uh, just seeing the grossest things you've ever want to see. We all, me and the students go up to the guy who runs this thing for U of M and I get up to him and I'm like, okay, thanks for the memories. We're done. (laughs) We're going home. And he looks me in the eyes and he says this, you can guess, right? (laughs) Thanks, Daryl. Um, let me ask you this. Were there any students on sports teams helping you out this evening? And I looked him in the face and I said, nope. No athletes on my crew tonight. I lied to him in front of my students. the devil said now you're speaking my language now you're speaking my language second part the devil's plan to get you is to get you to lie to yourself first you lie to others then you lie to yourself right I'm not sure what kind of lies and rationalizations David had to tell himself to convince him to sleep with the wife of his, one of his best followers. But, and maybe it started out like this. Maybe it started like this. You know, it wouldn't hurt if I just look. It's not hurting anybody. Or, I'm, I'm such a good king. I deserve this. It's my right. 
or who has to know, or it's a stupid rule anyway, or I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong here. See, that's the next level when you're lying to yourself, right? It's incredible, it's incredible how much ground the devil takes when we lie to ourselves. I mean, it's one thing when you're lying to other people, when you're lying to yourself, the devil takes so much ground. And and here's why, here's why. When you lie to yourself about anything, you're you're far more likely to indulge in sin and and with, with far less regret than normal because you put your conscience to sleep with lying. You put your conscience to sleep. And this is how Jesus followers find ourselves unable to resist sin and much more prepared to commit it. And this is how a man of integrity like David becomes a lying, murderous villain. When you lie to yourself, there's no, no telling how far you'll go to justify it, to go along with it. And obviously you see this, you, those of you guys who know David's story, you see this in his life. It's, it's troubling. It's terrifying. It should be terrifying to us because it is us. You got to double down, you got to lie more, you, you believe your own lies. So first you lie to everybody else and then you lie to yourself. The devil. The third part is, is the devil's plan is to, is to get you to live a lie, to live a lie. So listen to this. After what seems like a random day for Uriah, imagine being Uriah showing up, having this weird talk. And then it's like, well, David's like, okay. David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and he's probably like, what the, what was that? And a gift from the king was sent after him. Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift was, the gift from the king was sent after him. David is hoping that Uriah does more than just wash his feet when he goes home. But Uriah doesn't go home. Uriah doesn't go home. I want you to think about, I want you to think about the implications of this verse for just a second. And those of you guys who know this story forwards and backwards, awesome. Pause, make it new. Think about the implications of this verse for just a second. When David sent Uriah home, hoping that he would sleep with his wife. David was saying this. He's saying, I'm prepared to live the rest of my life lying to you, pretending that the the baby that your wife's going to have isn't mine, it's yours. So when when we have the kingdom parties and we're together and we have the Christmas party and you're over there playing with your kid, I'm going to know that that kid's my kid and I'm prepared to just lie through that. I'm prepared to be cool with that. And not only that, I'm prepared for your wife to lie to you the rest of her life, pretending that the kid that she's going to bear is your kid, not mine. Every day, every day. David was saying, I'm ready to do that. I'm in. This is great. I'm prepared to live a lie. That is mind-blowing from a person who Christians all over hold up as someone as this, this guy, we need to be like him. Prepared to live a lie. 
When, and when you live a lie, the devil has you right where you want, right where he wants you, right where, right where he wants you. Even when you think it's a good lie, even when you think it's a lie that's just, that needs to be lived out. So and think about this. I want you to think about this. this. This happens over and over and over to Jesus followers all over the world. This happens all the time. This is a good lie. We pretend, we pretend in church and in our religious circles that we don't have any doubts about faith, that we're all in, we're all good, we're good. which is a lie, which is a lie. You you pretend to be good and you pretend to be, and then you lie to yourself, right? You tell yourself you don't have any doubts. There's no big deal and you, you keep it together and you push it down. And finally you have to live the lie. You have to come here and you have to show up and you have to pretend that you're all in. You have to, you have to pretend you agree with everything I say when I come up here. You have to pretend. You live the lie. And this, this, in that moment, even though you think it's a good lie and it's all in the name of religious and faith and all that stuff, the devil has you. You are in so much trouble. How long can you live that? How long can you hold your breath living that way? You'll, and and here's, here's the worst thing. And the devil loves this. Here's the worst thing. You will never learn to desire Christ most living that kind of Jesus walk. Never. Never. And the devil is like, good job. You're speaking my language. Great job. Great job. The, the, the way, the way that, that David got to this place, being prepared to live a lie, is he doesn't trust God. He doesn't trust God. He doesn't believe that God's big enough to give him his heart's desires, so he tries to find it on his own. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't think that God's big enough to forgive his sins once he's screwed it up big time. And, and he puts his trust in lies instead of the truth. And unintentionally, the devil puts his trust in, in the devil instead of the Lord. And he thinks his lies will get him out of trouble, not the Lord. He, he, he's, his lies, he thinks his lies will bring him security, not the Lord. His lies will help him get what he wants, not the Lord. And the devil's plan is to keep him as a slave to, to lies, to lies. I want to share with you God's plan for you, though. I want to share with you God's plan for you and for me. God wants you free. We already seen how lies can keep you from being free. God wants you free so you can learn to desire him most. And he can satisfy your deepest desires. If the devil is the father of lies, then Jesus is the truth. And he intends to set you free. He intends to set you free. So next two steps, God's plan is confess. Confess to God for forgiveness. Jesus followers like that one because it gets to be private. It gets to be just, this is just between me and God. No, you know, only God can judge me kind of a, we don't like the second one, the next one as much. We confess to other people for healing. And here's the thing, um, sometimes we confess to God and we're like, why isn't this over yet? Why isn't this, you know, why don't I feel? <laughs> Got to go to the next step, right? 
Listen to this. Listen, you know, so these, these last two, there's not, it's not just my opinion. Um, <clears throat> but God is faithful and fair. If we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing we have done. He will make us pure. And, and let, me, let me say this. Even if you've forgotten all the, you know, I've forgotten all every wrong thing I've ever did. <laughs> it doesn't say he will forgive every wrong, wrong thing you've done if you remember. Go on. So confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you might be prayer of a godly person is powerful things happen because of it so we confess our lies so that we can be forgiven and he can make us pure and then we confess to one another so we can be healed so <clears throat> in a few minutes uh we're going to take communion together it's a time where we remember the crucifixion of, of christ and we allow ourselves to be crucified with him um and, and when we do that we do that by deciding I want to make Christ the thing I desire most. That's our motivation in the back of our heads. Uh, and, and I will do anything to make that happen. So communion is a time of confession. Um, if you're lying to someone, anyone, lying to yourself, if you're living a lie now, now's the time to come clean with God. Uh, now is the perfect time to come clean with God. During this time of communion, come clean with, come clean with him. But I also want to encourage you, if there's something that you need to confess or something that would, it, it, would, it would be helpful for you to confess to someone in this room, if you, you, know, if you feel close enough to them, uh, if you'd like to confess something to a person, um, I'd love for you to do that. And I'd love for you to do that now, today. And so those of you guys who know, you, who been a part of church forever. You know, you decide things in this room on Sunday mornings that you never, you never play out, right? Like, oh yeah, I'm going to be better at that. I'm going to, I'm going to get, and then you walk out of here and you are the same. So let me, let me encourage you. If, if you're feeling, you know, like, man, I want to make a move today. Then I want to encourage you, man, there, there are tons of people in this room who'd love to, love to, to hear what you have on your heart or pray with you. Love it. They would love to do that. They would, that, they would be the high of their day, I'm sure. Um, so I'd love for you to do that. Even if you've got to get up and walk across the room, love for you to do that because um, confession brings healing. Confession brings healing. Uh, <clears throat> so let me, let me show this with you. So after I, I got home from Chrysler Arena, you know, after this cleanup, I, I couldn't stand knowing <laughs> I lied to this guy and my students. So I said this. I said, Father, I'm ashamed that I misrepresented you to this U of M guy and to my students. I'm very sorry. Would you please forgive me? And he, he did. That would be enough, right? So I wrote an email to the U, the U of M guy confessing my lie, humiliating <laughs> Humiliating. It's easy for me to talk about right now because it, it was a long time ago and it's easy for you to hear about. You're like, ooh, that's terrible. But like when you have to do it, it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. 
I saved his email response, though. I'll share part of it with you. This is what he says. This is what he said. I truly appreciate the confession. Mostly because I already knew. (laughs) Aside from the changes in demeanor I observed while filling out the forms, one of the girls was wearing a pioneer soccer sweatshirt. That was awesome. Finally, I had to apologize to my students. So listen, and those of you guys who are especially parents in the room, um, listen. The most gracious people in the world are people who are under your authority when you apologize to them. So gracious. And when you do, it, it gives you more credibility, more, more, more authority in their lives. It wasn't easy to confess, um, for sure, but it was healing. So, we're going to do right now is so I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a few moments uh, where I'd love for you to take communion confess to God the things in your life uh, that you haven't been honest about truthful about and then uh, for some of you it may be appropriate to confess to someone here in this room for healing maybe someone sitting right next to you maybe someone sitting across the room but I want to encourage you to do that I want to start, encourage you to do that uh, to, to get up and move to them. And then after the song is over, uh, after the song is over, you'll be dismissed. Let's pray together. Dear Father, uh, I, I confess that uh, it is certain that I do not always live up to what I say here on stage. I would pray that you would forgive me for that. Um, And I, I pray that you would help me to, by your power, do it better. I pray that as I'm, I'm saying that out loud to these guys, that it would inspire them Uh, to do the same, to confess to you for forgiveness and then confess to one another for healing. Uh, And I pray, uh, Father, that we would realize that the thing the devil intended to end Christ's life actually ends up setting all of us free crucifixion sets us free. So I pray that you'd help us to be crucified with you so that we can be risen with you. In Jesus' name, amen.
once you've consumed communion, at this time I'd invite everyone to please stand. If you're able to please stand. Um, if you would like uh, to use this song as a reflection, uh, please sing along. And if this is also a time for uh, perhaps a literal confession or a moment of accountability with a friend or a loved one, please feel free to do that too. Daryl's available at the back for, for the moment. But I would invite you to either take part in talking to someone or praying with someone or just joining us in singing this familiar hymn. To sing thy grace, streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the Lord, I fixed upon. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure. Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposes precious worshiping with us this morning. Hope you have a peaceful week. We're all dismissed.
Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.